This is your home for St. Cloud State Hockey, keeping you up to date on the NCHC. Women's WCHA. Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. The National Hockey League. Kaprizov in for a chance to win it. He scores! Thrill the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL, a game winner. And everything from the state of hockey. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title. Welcome to the Huskies Warming House Podcast Den. The Huskies Warming House podcast is also brought to you by the Soda Pod, home of MNCAA college hockey news and more. Stay wild and up to date with new episodes throughout every week. Find them on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and other podcast platforms. And welcome into the Huskies Warming House podcast, episode 182. Nick Maxson and Noah Grant here uh, for another episode in the den. And Nick, our final preview, thank the lord yeah <laughs> 16 of 16 and one that we're actually really excited to do of course they got action uh first underway here this past weekend that is the st Cloud state men's hockey team we have them coming in at number two in the nchc to round out our standings and uh nick obviously not the only team in action women's hockey team was also uh in what was maybe not the biggest dogfight at least on paper and it ended up becoming one very quickly over the course of the weekend i would say i would say if you were a huskies fan you got four great hockey games out of this all things considered so well it depends on which uh lens you're looking at that through noah <laughs> well good thing huskies fans have always been mild-mannered and reserved uh but <laughs> With us being mild-mannered and reserved, I suppose before we jump into the show, uh, we are recording tonight on Monday, October 9th. Um, this, is a, this is a significant date, um, I was Shut informed. Shut up. Um, AARP has called and informed us that one of our own is now a year older. Um, Mr. Nick Maxson, happy birthday, I believe it is. Uh... The number doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the 30s well it's we'll, it's in there it's it's still in the 30s so we'll leave it at that um but no thank you i appreciate that um got a chance to go out and golf you know i don't get to do that often because sometimes there's already snow on the ground and it's way too cold um and think about this snow last monday it was in the mid to upper 80s oh yeah in the twin cities today a little bit more seasonal it was in the um mid 50s a little bit of a northwest wind uh and uh yeah had a really good time with uh a good buddy of mine uh, hitting 18 holes of golf and actually played pretty well um all things considered so very good day um again good to have it off and uh able to enjoy it a bit so thank you again thank you to all the listeners as well so yeah, yeah. As, you, as you can see, you can probably sense the, you know, the multitude of, you know, excitement in my voice when this day comes around. So, Well, if you want to talk about multitude of excitement, if if memory serves me correctly, and if schedules lined up, I don't know if it's confirmed yet, but I believe even though it might not be for show purposes, I believe not this weekend, but I believe next weekend we might actually end up crossing paths with each other. It's true. 
It um, will happen. Yep. Well, I can sense the excitement in your voice with that too. I <laughs> okay. Anyway, moving on. No, uh, Saint Cloud Norsemen do visit uh, the Minot Minotauros at the Pepsi Rink at Mesa Arena in about a week and change. So uh, that'll be good. Um, I don't. I, I'm guessing you're probably traveling with the team, so I don't think we'll have a recording together as far as that's concerned. But we'll see each other, and we'll mention it, and people will go, "Okay, and." Uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, which is usually maybe how our shows go, but we'll, without further ado, we won't hold things up anymore here on episode 182. We will start with Center Ice View News and Notes presented by HuskiesIllustrated.com and the Soda Pod. Center Ice View News and Notes. Center Ice View provides you with the best coverage of St. Cloud State Huskies hockey from game notes, recaps, photos, and more. Go to CenterIceView.com. Welcome into the main portion of the show, Nick Max and Noah Grant, episode 182. Nick, and uh, I think we're going to start on the women's side here. This will kind of be a little bit more akin to how our show is going to go. We'll kind of do uh, like a recap or a roundup, so to speak, of the WCHA. We'll talk about the St. Cloud women's team specifically, do the same thing for the men's team. Only difference is this week, we do have our final preview in the men's hockey team. We'll tack on to the end of this one, too. So might be a little bit more in-depth and fleshed out when we go in the coming weeks as far as our roundups and recaps of other things, but might be a bit abbreviated, at least for teams outside of St. Cloud for both conferences, uh, at least for this week. But Nick, uh, women's hockey team uh, getting underway. Uh, actually, they were the first group to get underway for the Huskies. Of course, they played Friday, Saturday. So uh, they enter in the weekend against Mercyhurst and, you know, on paper, Mercyhurst, maybe not the strongest team, or so we thought. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we were kind of reminded that, hey, maybe they actually might be might be good at hockey. Yeah, so before, yeah. So before we get to that, though, uh, other roundups on Friday. Um, on actually, so I should say on Thursday, Wisconsin played Boston College and they beat them five to three on the women's side. Uh, on Friday, the Huskies did play as well as Minnesota. Minnesota only beating RIT three to nothing. I thought that was, I I don't know who played. Um, yeah, you're 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 blowing the dust off. It's, yeah, you know. Yeah, interesting score, I guess. Um, St. Thomas, 4-3 to victory over Lindenwood, tight hockey game there. Duluth uh, throttled LIU 6-0. Uh, Bemidji State and RPI went to overtime, and uh, it was 1-1. I can't remember who got the decisive victory in that one. Mankato in Sacred Heart beat Sacred Heart 9-0, and Wisconsin beat BC 12-2, which is a stark contrast from the day before. So. Yeah. A little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah. LIU did not score at all on the weekend against Duluth. 4 nothing was the score on Saturday. RPI ended up beating Bemidji 3-1 to on Saturday as well. 5-1 score, Gophers and RIT. 7-2, to St. Thomas over Lindenwood, a much stronger showing for them in the second night of that series. Uh, and Sacred Heart only uh, was able to tack on one goal. Mankato had seven in that matchup. So, but our St. Cloud State Huskies, Friday, October 6th, they got underway against Mercyhurst at Mercyhurst Ice Center in Erie, Pennsylvania. 220 people in attendance. Shots 26 16 in favor of Mercyhurst, but a couple of markers very early on within the first five minutes at the 330 and 413 mark. It was Mariel Parks had both goals, a five on three and power play goal. Special teams came back to bite the Huskies early. They could not recover despite. Uh, essentially doubling up on shots almost through periods two and periods three. Uh, Huskies went 0 for 6 on the power play. Uh, 
Mercyhurst two for four, as we just mentioned. St. Cloud was less than 50% in the faceoff dot. Uh, in that was Jojo Choback. She stopped 14 of 16 for the Huskies. Uh, Anian Nystrom was perfect, 26 of 26. Um, did this box score catch you off guard, or uh, did we feel like they were going to handle Mercyhurst better? We, you listen to Brian Idolski's comments about this game, uh, and he kind of seemed to allude that, you know what, we got off to a slow start. We played well after the first five minutes, but it just wasn't enough, and we ran into good go- good goaltending. Yeah, and I think you know not having Taylor Lind in the lineup too shows you how important she is to this this roster uh, yeah. on both sides of the puck. Right, uh, she's a catalyst for the offense, um, and certainly you know a very good responsible defensive forward too when it comes to. Um, and you and I have have talked about this last year, right? Idolski, um, both of those goals, you, know, you mentioned the power play. Um, that's one thing that he really takes pride on is the penalty kill. And um, over the past couple of weeks, um, and when I say past couple, meaning they've only played two weekends, mind you, it's had a day off or a week off. Um, he, he mentioned the slower starts also um, in the first weekend. Uh, and uh, how it took them a little bit to get going. And and this is what can happen, right? You know, is when you get to these better matchups or more so if you get into penalty trouble early and you're still trying to get your legs under you, sometimes you get yourself into a hole and uh, you start to chase the game, right? And then that puts you as the the opposing, especially the away team, in, in a bit of a, a tough spot, right? Because not only do you have last, ch- you know, uh, first change, you could, you should say, but you also just can't find your rhythm too. It seemed like that's kind of how it was on Friday, and uh, Mercy Hurst just sort of, you know, strangle um, uh, the Huskies off- offensively. And again, as you mentioned, even though they had a decent shot volume, you know, probably not as many grade eight chances as they were looking for, um, and unfortunately fell to nothing. So. Um, again, you, you got a you know next man up mentality. Again, Leyland is important, but she wasn't in the lineup, and uh, just again too bad that the Huskies didn't get off going right away and uh, end up biting them and uh, you know taking the loss in in return. Yeah, curious to see how good Mercyhurst is going to be this season. Maybe they are a bit stronger than we thought they were going to be on paper too. So, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> you know, that could be a piece of it as well. Emma Gentry and CC Bowlby paced the Huskies with four shots apiece. Gentry was uh, the best face-off uh, person for the Huskies over the aggregate. Clara Himmlerova um, was three for six. She struggled a little bit in the dot on the other side of things to kind of give you an idea of where we were at respectively. Uh, second night, October 7th on Saturday, so a traditional Friday-Saturday matchup for the women's program. Uh, uh, 135 was the attendance on Saturday night. Huskies improve to three and one. The only goal of the game coming on a five on three man advantage from the aforementioned Emma Gentry, her third of the season. Grace Wolf, um, and I always butcher this name, Nick, so I'm going to need your help. Is it Alice uh, Surreal? Alice Surreal. Surreal, yeah. There we go. It's real. Yep. Yeah, a bit surreal how much I can't handle names most of the time. Um, uh, with that being said, Huskies put up a 19 spot, 19 to three shots in period number one in this hockey game. Goal coming at the 1917 mark at the tail end of the first period. So hard work definitely rewarded. They hang on despite being outshot in period number two, 17 to nine, and they outshoot Mercyhurst by one, nine to eight for a 37 28 total in favor of St. Cloud. Huskies go one for seven on the power play. Lone marker was the one that counted. Mercyhurst 0 for two on the man advantage. Huskies really struggling though, Nick. 26 faceoff wins, 38 faceoff losses. So again, uh something that we kind of talked about last season that seemed to kind of depend on the opponent. Um 
you got to have possession of the puck when you start hockey games and St. Yep. Cloud uh, struggling in that department. Laura Zimmerman, uh, Emma Gentry and Cece Bowlby all had five shots apiece. Clara Himmlerova, great response for her. She had six shots in this hockey game, went eight for 10 in the faceoff dot. Emma Gentry was the reverse. They actually flipped. She was three for 12 in the dot. Uh yes in this one. So a little bit of work may be needed. Everybody else was about 500 or better. So um, as far as goaltending wise, it was Sonia Hola that got the call. She was perfect. 28 for 28. Amy Nystrom again, her second night of action. She stops 35 of 36, which most nights should win you a hockey game, but the Huskies a bit of a gritty victory for them, improving the three and one on Saturday. Yeah. And you know, you talk about the shot totals, you know, one for seven on power plays. You wonder how many of those shots were coming on the man advantage to Noah. So um, face-offs, you know, early in the season, that's something that, you know, it takes sometimes a little bit of a while to get into a groove. Um, and again, Mercer seemed like this has been an area that they sort of, you know, focused in on during the off season, because um, as you mentioned throughout the weekend, they were really good in the dot. And uh, again, we, you don't want to, keep repeating that, you know, Taylor Lynn's absence, you know, it, it is a hole you have to fill either way. But I think uh, for St. Cloud, again, one for seven. So that means they were skating around. They were drawing penalties, right? A lot of the uh, penalty calls that we see were stick and fraction type penalties. So that means you're mm-hmm. chasing, you're defending a bit, right? So, you know, it, it's and maybe if you're Brian Idolsky in the fan base, you'd like to see more of those power plays be capitalized, right? Um, but again, it's early in the year. It's only, you know, games three and four um, at the end of it. You know, I think a much better response game, again, as you mentioned, uh, certainly looked like they got to their game a little bit earlier. And, uh, you know, barring, you know, five on five and certainly those extra skater type, you know, moments, uh, I think a pretty overall good game against Sonia Hole. I think that's her second shutout already this season, as I called her or first one of the season already cuts a couple of weeks ago. So uh, much better look on Saturday. And uh, now it gets to the grind of the WCHA this weekend. And uh, yours truly will be up in St. Cloud to uh, see all the action, which will be kind of fun. Yeah, it should be a good matchup. Again, uh, like you mentioned, uh, maybe a bit of some bus legs too. You, you know, the Huskies, the women's yeah. team has has a week off too, right? So, you know, you get a tough first five minutes. Unfortunately, on the bright side, uh, by the way, former Husky Olivia Savar was limited to two shots over the course of the weekend for Mercyhurst. Um, I will say, I would say name of the weekend award, though, probably goes to Mercyhurst skater Mary Sweetapple, by the way. That just sounds like yeah. a... <laughs> Doesn't that sound like a cookie brand or a, some sort of commercial licensing product in the Sounds making? like a apple that the University of Minnesota would like genetically modify and sell. <laughs> Definitely. So Huskies improved to three and one. They sweep Union two weeks ago by a 10 to one combined score uh, in the aggregate outscored two to one in the weekend. But a one nothing victor on Saturday sees them uh, with that advantage. Like Nick mentioned next weekend, uh, they will be hosting Bemidji State on Friday and Saturday. And then we'll be actually pushing our show out when they play again. They play on the 17th on that Tuesday. So we'll have three games to recap after that a couple of non-conference games after they see the gophers on that tuesday so a bit of a tightly scrunched schedule for the women's program keep an eye on that uh they've got a uh, uh, an opponent in Bemidji State who will be a good first little test, a good opener out of the gate, and uh, hopefully a team on paper at least worth thinking that they should handle, but you never know in the WCHA and college hockey. They're going to have to bring their A game for their first uh, WCHA action, first conference action on home ice as well too, Nick. I guess before we flip it over to the men's side, uh, anything that you anything that you take away from Mercyhurst as you get ready to head back to the Granite City? 
Uh, you know, one, you know, they held the Huskies in check for the most part, right? I think goaltending, as you mentioned, was sort of, you know, one of the things that stood out for them is, you know, they didn't just go away quietly, right? They they still, you know, battled St. Cloud. And I, I think this is a good, you know, sort of, you know, precursor to the WCHA schedule where, it, you know, every shift, every puck battle is going to be one that you're going to have to go in 100% effort and come out, you know, try to, you know, essentially execute so at the end of it mercy hurst you know as we mentioned before maybe not the strongest or shall we say the scariest team uh but it looks like they have you know almost a little bit of huskies of last year in them right you know just trying to grit you know grind it out and see if you can't maybe capitalize on a mistake and for the huskies again it's a good lesson learned um i think you take away a couple of things again in the face-off dot there's some areas of improvement there uh definitely starting at the drop of the puck and not trying to take five or six minutes and uh, knowing so that in game number two, right? If you get to your game, um, you're drawing a lot of calls, right? Again, that's a lot of it from your skating and from your uh, creativity in the offensive zone. So a lot of positives. Again, you can clean some of the things up and it's not like they got blown out, you know, two nothing, just really couldn't get your game going. You're going to have those happen. It's, you know, trying to limit those. And I think, again, they're ready for um, their first test, Bemidji State coming up next weekend. So overall, I think a pretty good weekend. Uh, just a couple of things that they're going to go back on film and uh, try to improve for this weekend. Yeah. And I felt good about the fact that it seemed like the players who were who are high end players, quote unquote, you know, the relied on top six, top pairing, whoever it may be for St. Cloud, even if the results weren't there necessarily score sheet wise they played well for the most part and they showed up when they needed to. And you're leading by example. So I think uh, this women's team should be just fine. Should be an interesting matchup. Nick will have the recap for us after they see Bemidji in the upcoming weekend on the men's side. We move over to the NCHC, of course, as is prototypical with men's hockey. They are still well in non-conference and exhibition play for a lot of these teams uh, throughout the first month and a half of the season. So we're going to try to sort through uh, the games. Of course, college hockey, quote unquote, officially unofficially got started with Arizona state playing, their uh, club affiliate brother in arms Arizona and 16 nothing was the final for that yes. one so yeah um yeah <laughs> anyway um I, did we get Minot State vibe precursor vibes already I'm, I'm oh boy yeah oh boy okay. uh Anyway, um, as far as uh, exhibition and non-conference, we're going to start with Saturday. I'm going through the list because I don't have them sorted by NCHC. So, of course, Western Michigan uh, played the U.S. under-18 team. They win 9-4 to in that one. So that was a, a true exhibition in and of itself. Um, and then it was actually Omaha for the second year in a row. They beat Mankato, this time one nothing. But it's considered an exhibition game. It does, I, From what I understand, it is, does not count. Correct. As far as bear my standings, I don't know why the Mavs do this to themselves. Um, and then Colorado College uh, beat Simon Fraser six to three. But Nick, this UNO team, man, I mean, if you're going to go in and do the job, yeah. <laughs> I mean, know? it's they they were kind of as advertised, right? Not necessarily the most prolific offensive threat, but sort of just a grind down. And you know, this Maverick team, you're we talking Minnesota State, right? So there's just still a lot of question marks of who and what we might see out of them, right? I don't expect kind of like what Brett Larson did when he took over for Bob Moscow, right? You never want to reinvent the wheel, especially overnight. Um, you're going to see probably a lot of the same systems, a lot of the same emphasis on defense. And at the end of the day, with the rule change, was it two years ago, I believe, just before the start of last year, when they made it, um, shall we say, eligible for NCAA opponents to play each other for exhibitions. You know, before it was a Canadian club. And at the end of it, I, I think you and I know we'll be on the same page as, although that's, 
kind of funnel because it's a win. It's a confidence builder. Um, not the best, shall we say, hockey in terms of what you can do for a college team. So I don't mind it. Um, but definitely, you know, if, if you're going to try to get the rust off the proverbial blades, uh, why not, you know, throw a couple of teams that don't normally see each other very often. Um, do it for once. And, uh, and then it's a little bit more of a gooder, you know, better evaluation for the coaches and the players. And, you know, the tape will be a much better one to review uh, that following Monday and Tuesday. So I don't mind it. But Omaha has them uh, by the number, apparently, in this uh, little series. You know who will be keeping note will be St. Cloud State. They have Mankato next week. So, uh, yeah, yeah, keep an eye for a multitude of reasons. I think as we go through this segment, too, throughout the year, too, the one thing we may do on the men's side as well, too, is maybe just a very short abbreviated national scoreboard look as well, too, because there are some scores that pop up outside of the NCHC that might be. Maybe the, just, maybe the top 16, maybe the pairwise. That would, yeah. you know, I think that'd, yeah. be, that'd be fine. Yeah, I, I think I think one of them that stood out, Notre Dame lost to Clarkson, and uh, it was a bad day for Big Ten. Michigan also lost to Providence uh, on that opening yeah. non-conference-wise. So those are pairwise standings games, by the way. Quinnipiac, the defending national champions, also lost to BC um, as well, too. Mm-hmm. So um, something to keep. But Wisconsin won a hockey game, so there's that. Um, Give it against. Time. Augustana, who had the Augsburg logo, according to certain websites. Um, as far as yes. uh, other NCHC teams, let me scroll down the list here. I know that, yep, yeah, Denver played Alaska. They win 7 uh, 3 mm-hmm. against Fairbanks. And then it was uh, um, a 2 2 overtime finish unofficially between Tech and Duluth. This was a very good matchup that kind of went back and forth um, both ways. And I'm trying to remember, I think this one just finished in a in a tie, if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong. I can't see anything from the box score here. And I obviously did not watch it myself. So, um, but yeah, Duluth and uh, tech both nights kind of seem to go back and forth. So uh, yeah, the Bulldogs uh, and tech two, two was the score. And that one, Nick might be rustling up some scores for us as we speak on Saturday night, Michigan got redemption against Providence out of conference, by the way, um, Notre Dame did as well. Um, Miami got their first win. They lost the previous night. I, I missed this one. They lost 5-4 in overtime to Ferris State. They win the second night 5-2. So Miami, their first win of the season in non-conference action. They go 1-0-1 to start the season. Uh, Denver beating Fairbanks 5-2. Um, and I'm trying to see. Uh, the Gophers ended up winning this weekend too, but nobody cares about that. Um, and Quinnipiac played Northeastern to a tie as well, too. So nothing else really notable on Sunday, I should say. I keep saying Saturday, um, used to the normal weekend. It's actually Sunday that these games went on. So only other thing that we have to talk about is our St. Cloud State Huskies on the men's side. Their first action, we get our first look uh, at the team. Again, one of these that if you go back historically, and by historically, I mean about a year or two, because that's about all we've got. <laughs> yep. Um Maybe the casual Husky fan probably would have said, oh, they should have taken care of St. Thomas, this and that, which they played St. Thomas tight in certain games in the past. Um, I think before we get into the box score, Nick, um, I think over the course of the weekend, it's fair to say that this St. Thomas team might be in the running for maybe a home spot in the CCHA, potentially the way they played this weekend. I mean, we're very early, but they're not a bad hockey team. I, I think that, Small sample size, right? I think that's fair. But it's also fair to point out that they had a bunch of transfers come in. And these are transfers that have 
multiple years of Division One college hockey experience. Uh, Noah Prokop, who comes in from Colorado College. Same with Matthew Gleason yep. coming over from CC. Those are two, you know, shall we say, more forward um, mm-hmm. prospects that have you know at least two years of experience between the two. And you know, Matthew Gleason, a Creighton Durham Hall kid, who um, you know he's got some skill. Right, um, was looking for a bigger role down in CC and uh, just you know wasn't going to fit the bill. So he transfers up to St. Thomas, and this is where. We figured, and I, I remember talking this about this two years ago. Give Rico Blasi two to three years, you're going to start to see the results of his, the fruits of his labor, essentially. Right? Granted, again, it's two games, but this team made the Huskies work right for 60 minutes. This is not a pushover team, and you know, it, it's sort of the same mentality that I think Huskies fans have to a team like Miami, like when somehow the Huskies lose to Miami. It's not that, you know, Miami is the best team in the world. Sure. They're not great, but they're still a division one college hockey team with still some decent talent to them. Right. And you catch, you know, the Huskies on the right day and, you know, maybe some, you know, bounces go away. Any team can beat anybody in any given day. Right. That's not what this was though. Uh, St. Thomas was neck for neck with St. Cloud this weekend. Um, I think the scoreboards themselves just on the surface tell, a lot of that, but uh, Noah, watching these games, and I want to get your input on this. Uh, again, this team is leaps and bounds, you know, more advanced than they were just two years ago when they were just playing their first ever Division One weekend. Um, pretty incredible rise. And uh, to answer your question, I think there's a chance there, right? Now, granted, you know, when you get to conference play, you know, I still think Bowling Green, despite some of the things that they're dealing with, is going to be a tough test. I think Northern Michigan. Um, also Michigan Tech is up there. So there's some potential there. There's, there could be, you know, a little bit of a jam there. I think Mankato too isn't going to be as bad as other people think that they will be. Um, but I think it's possibly there, right? I, I think there is a possibility that they can challenge for a home playoff spot. The question is, and I think this is where we go to last year, right? And I'll try to keep this as concise as I can. Um, there were games that they felt like they could have won, but then lost last year. There's a lot of disgruntled St. Thomas fans, including the head coach, Rico Blasi, that really felt like they probably had, should have had more than they did. They started to turn things around in the second half. Uh, so it's consistency with the squad, right? That's going to be the key. And can they do it more in that first, essentially, half of the year prior to the holiday break and not rely on a second half surge? If they can do that, um, there definitely is a chance we could see them compete for a home ice position in the CCHA playoffs, it's there. It's wide open. Yeah, certainly. And I think you have to feel, if you're a St. Thomas or St. Cloud State fan, you have to feel okay with how the weekend went as a whole. I mean, there was a lot of pushback back and forth. Um, I definitely think special teams is going to be a topic of conversation um, for both clubs as they move forward. 13 combined penalties in the first one. Uh, St. Thomas goes two for seven. Huskies were three for three to start the game, ended up finishing four for six on the man advantage. So you got to feel good about that on the offensive side of things. Huskies outshoot St. Thomas 37-30. Final score, St. Thomas 5, St. Cloud 4 in overtime in this one. Huskies were 67% in the face-off dot. They were 37 for 55. So um, St. Cloud actually... Not a great uh, 
shall I say, defensive uh, outing there for the overtime goal. It's a little overcommitment there from Kupka. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's the thing, right? And you got to give St. Thomas tip of their hat, right? They saw it, especially that weak side forward and, uh, you know, came in with layers. It was a well-executed play and Bassey didn't have a chance. And, you know, unfortunately, if you start taking up space in three and three overtime and not, you know, taking your man, that's what can happen. So, um, well. We'll get there. Um, yeah, a, lot of score, a lot of scoring before that. Um, yes. Huskies actually lead 2-1 to one after the first. Tie game uh, would have been 3-3 after the second period, and then, of course, 4-4 heading into overtime, and St. Thomas gets the victory. Um, interesting conversation, Nick, to start. Um, yes. As far as we were curious to see what the lineup car was going to look like, we talked a little bit about guys that we expected to make the jump, guys that we expected to maybe whatever. And we had an interesting conversation of a, of a young kid by the name of Barrett Hall. And we wondered how his translation was going to move uh, from where he was coming from into where he was. Well, he slotted into a top six role. And uh, I think we figured out the kid can play. Uh, Adam Ingram and Zach Okabe rounding out that second line. Top six was Kyler Kupka, Mason Solquist getting the start yes. on that top line and Vieti Mietnin. So a bit of a different look. It seems to me... Um, as I look at the rest of the forward card, Grant Ashawn with Werner Mietnin and Jack Rogers, Joey Molinar, Jack Ryman, and Nick Ports rounding out the forward group here. It seems to me, at least through maybe the top six or the top nine, that Brett Larson is very partial to having uh, what I would say at least one good 200-foot player on each line. Yep. And someone who's very defensively responsible. And then two guys that have a good mix of speed, skill, talent that are a little bit more offensive minded that can kind of play that game. So um, did you kind of get that sense? And also Barrett Hall, who opened the scoring in this hockey game, by the way, on the power play, 241 in from Vieti Mietnin and Dylan Anhorn on the back end. Um, yeah, kid can play. Uh, Seattle draft pick, right? Um, how about this? Um Barrett Hall, uh, I think we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago um, when, uh, when we talked about Media Day and how Brett Larson was raving about the ability of Barrett Hall and how uh, he was probably the most impressive freshman and uh, certainly earned a top six spot, right? And then you talk Mason Solquist, right? Uh, Brett Larson has nothing but praise for uh, the little bulldog that can, right? And I say that with, you know, praise and then not as a negative thing. Um, the kid is a scrappy forward. Um, also really good on the draws. He, he thinks that... Solquist is one of their better, um, you know, face-off centermen, essentially. You know, he probably wishes he was a little bit bigger to be a center. But at the end of the day, um, he's got that kind of gritty mentality, too, especially when you're playing um, on a line with Vidi Miettinen. We've talked about, you know, shall we say the the game that he plays and the game that, shall we say, he does not play, right? So I think that Solquist and Vidi, you know, sort of as, as a nice mix with each other. Um, I did ask Brett that would they ever... You know, put Werner and Vidi in the same line. Um, you, you wouldn't say yes or no, but I'm sure that if it came down to it, they probably would. But um, I do like that top six. Um, I, I, I do enjoy. like the versatility of it. And uh, like you said, good mix of skill. I think grit's also got to be there, right? You got to have a guy that can go in, win the puck battles, and then you do have a distributor, and then you do have a finisher in each line, right? You do have some balance, which I think the Huskies uh, were missing the past couple of seasons. You know what I also like? You like the top six. I like the bottom six, too. I think there's a good mix, yeah. too, of guys who are defensively responsible, like that fourth line, Molinar, Ryman, uh, Nick Ports. What a gritty, heavy line there. I really yeah. like that. Now, here's an interesting question for you, Nick, before we get into the scorecard. We haven't even gotten there yet. Um, speaking of a couple of guys, two Huskies outpaced the rest of their counterparts in terms of shots on goal, 
Who were they and how many shots did they have on the opening weekend on opening night on Saturday? One's going to be Anhorn. Anhorn is correct. Dylan Anhorn was second. He had five shots. And I want to guess VD also. How many shots did Vietti Mietnan have? Seven. He had nine. Oh, ha ha. He had nine shots, had had a three-point night, a goal and two assists for him, Dylan Anhorn, one and one for two respectively. So, uh, yeah, boys came to play. Um, and, yeah. you know, the, the result is this was a kind of a war of attrition a little bit. A lot of special teams back and forth say what you want about the penalty calls. But, I mean, you have two goals for St. Thomas that end up being – um, at even strength in some capacity, every other goal in this hockey game besides the three on three overtime goal was either on the man advantage with an extra attacker or both. So um, as far as that's concerned, like we mentioned, Barrett Hall opens the scoring. Then about two minutes later, Jake Bersini got back for St. Thomas Huskies finish off period. Number one, Dylan Anhorn, his first of the season, second point of the game already on the power play from Vietti Mietnin, two assists for him already in period. Number one, Adam Ingram, the secondary assist just before the 14 minute mark. Dylan Anhorn, I thought unsurprisingly to this point had a great weekend, but good to see him in his first official return uh, to action play as well as he did. Cam Reckie, uh just before the 10 minute mark in period number two, got us tied up at two Huskies respond in the power play two and a half minutes later. Zach Okabe's first of the year. Expect a lot of those, I would say over the course of the season, yes. uh, Mason Salquist, Nick Port's gritty power play goal uh, to get the Huskies back in front before Luke Manning uh, on the power play as well, right before uh, the period ends in period number two to make us all lined up at three apiece. And then Matthew Gleason, the former Colorado College Tiger, actually him and Nick uh, Noah Prokop, excuse me, were on the same line together on that second unit for uh, St. Thomas. He gets a power play marker as well. Five minutes into period number three, Huskies fans a bit on edge until the 11 and a half minute mark. Vietti Mietnin's first of the year on the power play. Jack Peart, his first point of the season of course and Werner his brother assisting on Vietti's first goal of the season and then of course like you mentioned Nick 111 into overtime Ryder Donovan a uh, beautiful tic-tac-toe play couple of Huskies caught puck watching moving to essentially the the first pass that was made upon zone entry secondary flow comes in in the back door and uh, yeah um, my dead grandma probably could have hit that wide open net I mean it yeah. was it was a beautiful yep. play. Um, there's no doubt about. There's no doubt about it. If you're the Huskies, I'm guessing they went back on film and took a look at it carefully. That's a good learning lesson for uh, a group that they need to be aware and on a swivel. A lot of open ice on three on three. Um, Huskies fans, uh, some of them slightly disgruntled with uh, the score it's against a team player. like <laughs> a team like St. Thomas. Um, all in all, how did you see night number one for the men's team? You know, a, a bit sloppy. You know, if, I, if I'm going to characterize for it for both teams. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. I, mean, I think if you're St. Thomas, I, I think you have to be happy with one thing. You won the five on five battle. Right. Uh, I think, you know, if, if you're if you're going to be a successful team, you know, and Brett Larson would say this himself. Yes, you want to take advantage of special teams, which in game one they did for the most part. But, you know, five on five, they were they were bone dry. So, you know, I, I think overall, you know, it was sort of a game that didn't have a ton of flow to it. Again, you mentioned all the penalty calls, the special teams types of things. So, you know, it's, shall we call it like a typical opening day type game, right? Where, you know, it's, it's a lot of, you know, hacking and whacking and, you know, there's still younger players and whether it's, they're trying to remember the systems and, 
uh, players who've been on the same team trying to figure each other out a little bit. Um, again, just kind of sloppy. Um, but overall, you know, not a bad game. Certainly as a Huskies fan, you'd like the W instead of the overtime loss. But at the end of the day, uh, not the worst outcome that you could have. Uh, and the Huskies, again, uh, you know, have some work to do. But again, the film, I, I think, you know, if you can go back to that overtime, you know, it probably didn't take long. You know, you probably yeah. didn't need to dissect it too much. And the best part about that is, is that's fixable. It's very fixable. Again, it's it's more about, you know, as you mentioned, not chasing the puck carrier, you know, making sure you're always man on man with your guy. Um, and again, if you're caught in space, one and two, you know, you're not in, you know, in essentially in check within your stick. Right. Um, that can lead into, like you said, that secondary flow and those open lanes, uh, especially east west on the on the rink, especially in, in three on three overtime. So. Overall, not bad, but certainly, you know, not, you know, not the finish you'd wanted if you were Brett Larson and the Huskies. What a great second night. The Huskies did make some lineup changes on the forward side. Grant Deshaun, Jack Ryman, Jack Rogers all coming out of the lineup. Couple of centermen flipping as well. Top line stays the same. Kyler Kupka, Mason Salquist, Vieti Mietnin. Uh, second line was Barrett Hall and Zach Okabe, but instead it was Werner Mietnin getting the call in the top six. Adam Ingram flips to what was the fourth line previously, now third line for night number two, Joey Molinar and Nick Ports flanking him on either side. And then the fourth unit was an entirely new look. Ryan Rosborough playing left wing, Tyson Gross in the middle, Ethan Acoin on the right. Um, by the way, Dominic Bassey and Isaac Posh um, for both games of the weekend, by the way, in case I didn't mention that. We'll get to the goaltending in a second, I'm sure. Uh, and then on the defensive side, uh, same pairing as Friday night, Dylan Anhorn, Josh Lidke, no surprise there. Jack Peart, Mason Reiner staying the same. Cooper Wiley and Warren Clark were also together for the weekend. Um, Tynan Ewart was the extra defenseman in night number one. It was Carl Folk wearing number two, the extra defenseman on Sunday night. So those were your lineup changes comparatively from Friday to Saturday. Um, good to see a bit of a healthy mix. Lone goal in this hockey game. The Huskies take home a one to nothing victory to move one and one on the season. Uh, they were outshot actually. 33 to 19 in this one actually did not post double digits at any point in the shot column. So a bit of counterintuitiveness for maybe how the Huskies should have had the result on Saturday compared to Sunday. Uh, Huskies start the game. Okay. Out shooting uh, St. Thomas nine, six, get out shot 11, eight in period number two. Those are about par for the course. What I will say is getting out shot 16 to two in period number three is um, not great. Yeah, if you want to talk about alarm bells, regardless of the result, that's maybe the most concerning was the finish to uh, that final hockey game. St. Thomas, a great push for them. Both teams combined 0 for 8 on power play opportunities. Faceoffs were about dead even. Huskies have the edge 28 uh, to 27 for wins, losses, respectively. Only goal, Adam Ingram, his first of the season, 1036 mark, basically halfway through the hockey game uh, in period number two. Dominic Bassey stops all 33 shots he sees. Uh, Aaron Trotter on the other side, stopping 17 of 18. Uh, Nick, uh, just for fun here, um, there was not a Husky that got above three shots. Vieti Mietnin was one of those in this hockey game. The other being whom? Any idea? This is an interesting one. Hmm. For, it's a forward. I'll give you that much. Okay. Which didn't really narrow it down for you at all, but <laughs> no, but just based on the lineup and based on what I believe is happening around town, you have to be able to create. So Roseboro, Roseboro's not a bad guess. He did not have a shot, um, but it's Same actually thing. actually a, a, um, a lower uh, end guy 
previously in the lineup. Actually, Joey Molinar had three shots on goal. Um, so good to see. Dylan Anhorn had two, as did Zach Okabe. Nick Ports had two as well, too. So I think that uh, one of the things that you're starting to see, even when you look at the shot chart on Friday, there's uh, offense being generated from all areas of both the forward group and some of the defensive group too. So I think if they can maybe activate those middle pairing defensemen uh, and the Huskies can bring some more supplemental offense from the back end, I think that maybe that is another step for them as well too. Um, this was a, kind of a weird hockey game, all things concerned. Um, the attendance was 556 in this one night previously, of course, was 4, 000, just under 4,900 um, as you switch venues respectively. Uh, Nick, I, Huskies on the road um, for the first time uh, in a in a building that doesn't hold much capacity, at least <laughs> till they right get now. the nice, nice, big, shiny, brand new one uh, headed out there. Um, what did you take away from the second night as the Huskies uh, regroup after the weekend? So when you look at the lineup changes, right, uh, especially with like Roseboro coming in a coin um, to me, that screamed that essentially Brett Larson wanted a more defensive posture. Uh, that's yeah. what I believe he really was looking for. Uh, not to say that you want to be able to transition. You want to be able to attack, especially roll four lines. You know, you got to be able to have offense, like you mentioned, generate from, you know, everybody and anybody, especially um, in today's game of college hockey. But at the same time, I felt like this was more of like, okay, we need to calm things down. We need to take a deep breath. Um, let's do what we do best. And that is, you know, let's be a little bit more, shall I say, maybe more smart, maybe a little bit more cerebral with what we're doing. Um, and I think it worked, right? I think St. Thomas, you know, with maybe some adrenaline, right? You, you steal one on the road and now you have an opportunity to get your second ever sweep in the division one level against uh, a top 10 team coming into the season. Um, and I think Brett Larson just wanted to sort of say, you know, almost control the pace of play a little bit. So I don't mind it. Um, and I think again, for the Adam Ingram goal, I mean, it was off of a turnover. Um, it was a breakaway goal, a beautiful finish to forehand backhand. Um, so it was, you know, Sarah was say opportunistic. Um, so it's nice to see that, you know, this Husky roster can essentially, you know, not, I don't want to say change in the fly, but it can adapt to what it needs to do to, uh, to win essentially. And, uh, we saw that this, uh, Saturday, Sunday, again, Saturday, a little bit more high flying offense, you know, again, maybe, you know, some, shall we say first game jitters and whatnot. And then you go right back to work on Sunday, you know, you calm things down, you slow things down and you just try to pay a little bit more with poise. And I think they did that. So that's what I took away from it. Curious to your thoughts. Yeah. And, to be honest, I liked the lineup card from the first night better. Right. But I but I also felt exactly what you said is that they were looking for maybe a little bit more veteran presence, just kind of hitting the reset button a little bit. Maybe some young guys that were getting an opportunity, maybe guys that were returners who are getting their first taste and maybe an elevated role. And then you kind of look and say, okay, who do we trust in these spots to maybe kind of reset things a little bit? I thought it was a much more interesting game where I thought St. Cloud had a little bit better effort in some senses on Friday. And I thought like offensively, like give and take, I thought that they looked good. Um, or Friday keeps you, you know what I mean. The first, night. um, and <laughs> then, uh, you know, my goodness. Oh, I can't stand these Saturday, Sunday matchups. <laughs> uh, and they get in the way of football. Cause you know how good the Vikings are, right? Um, oh boy. Yeah, boy. Uh, <laughs> week not go there. I think week one set the tone for a lot of things. There are a couple of games that they probably could have had back, but anyway, uh, I digress. I, I think St. Cloud a bit more of a gritty defensive effort. I don't think that's how they want to go through the year. I don't think no. that they want to play hockey games like that. I think they want to be on their toes. They want to be the aggressor. There's certainly some things to clean up. There's no doubt about 
about that as the Huskies get ready um, for a matchup against Mankato. And then they take on uh, Fairbanks for their first uh, essentially out of state matchup, quote unquote. It'll be in St. Cloud, but out of state as far as opponents are concerned. Um, And a Mankato team that I'm sure they were looking at over the weekend and seeing how they did against an NCHC opponent in Omaha. Um, Nick, yeah, it's kind of an interesting mix, I, I think, for this group. If you're a Huskies fan, I don't think that you should be disappointed with the weekend. I will agree that there's still a lot to be desired because we're early. There's sure. a lot of hiccups. There was a ton of special teams through and through. I mean, you end up having, what is it, 8 plus 13? You get 21 total penalties and power plays, you know, not misconduct or anything notwithstanding. So, I, right. I mean, it, it it was kind of a weird, weird weekend, all things considered. If you're a Huskies fan, I think what you take away is that early on, they're number 10 in the USCHO polls, number nine in the USA Hockey and Rink Live polls. People are thinking highly of this team. If anything, I think the Huskies still have a chance to have a really good season. And I think what we take away is that St. Thomas is probably a little bit better than maybe we anticipated coming through the season. I can't wait to listen to Ryan Steeg on MNCA talk about uh, the Tommies as they may be kind of try to break over that threshold that we've had the conversation with for quite a while. Uh, kind of final thoughts. If you're a Huskies fan, you're looking back on the weekend and you prepare for a tough test in Mankato, another CCHA opponent. I, I think I, the one thing you want to take away is again, it's remember it's one weekend, right? And when you have so many special teams, it's hard to really get to your game. I think, you know, both head coaches would say that special teams, when it becomes, shall we say, the focal point of the hockey game, uh, referee calls here and there, there's not a lot of flow to the game. Uh, you can't really get your forecheck established. You know, there's, there's stops and starts. And so uh, it becomes, shall we say, a very, you know, what do you call it? Segmented. Um, so, at the end of it, yeah, you're you're not loving the loss, and you know doesn't matter who it is, right? I get it, uh, but also understand two things: St. Thomas has improved. Um, again, you got to remember that their transfers and their freshmen. I mean, this is now year three for Rico, so not only do we have uh, his recruits that are coming on board, but also the transfers that have college hockey experience. This is going to be a good hockey team, so it's not the end of the world. And two, again, uh, for St. Cloud, they they turned back. The next night, right? They said, okay, you know, we're obviously a little bit, you know, shall we say, um, off our game a little bit. So let's, you know, switch it up a little bit. Let's, you know, again, maybe draw back a bit. Uh, not to say we want to be on our heels, but defensively, maybe be a little more sound. And they split the weekend. So again, it wasn't, you know, worst case scenario, certainly wasn't best. But at the end of the day, things to clean up, but things that can be cleaned up. It's not like there's a lack of skill or you were outmatched. There's just some things that you got to, shall we say, execute better in both sides of the puck. Would agree. Dominic Bassey gets both games last weekend, 121 minutes for him, a 248 goals against uh, and 58 saves on the weekend, a 921 save mm-hmm. percentage. So pretty par for the course, all things considered. Good first weekend. I uh, had a shout out to boot as well. Scoring leader for you right now, Vietti Mietnin, the senior forward, has a goal and two assists, three points for him. Uh, paces the team as well with 12 shots. Next closest is Dylan Anhorn with seven. He has two points along with Adam Ingram. And then it's Zach Okabe, brother Werner, Nick Porter. Barrett Hall, Mason Salquist, and Jack Peart rounding out your point getters with a single point each uh, over the course of the first two games for the Huskies. Uh, Transitioning, Nick, to our final NCHC preview here, uh, coming in at number two, 
the St. Cloud State men's team, uh, playing at some place called the Herb Brooks National Hockey Center. Uh, completed in 1989, had some renovations in the mid-2010s. 5,159 is the official capacity. Uh, is Olympic sheet 200 by 100. Uh, this team led by Brett Larson, again, uh, coming into the season 107, 61, and 16 for a 625 uh, winning percentage. Uh, Dave Shyak, RJ Anga, and Clark Huster rounding out uh, the coaching crew here, Nick. Um First of all, maybe maybe we want to start with the coaches uh, just kind of throwing things out quickly, a, a bit more of an extensive, 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 if I can say that, uh, crew. Um, Brett Larson, of course, uh, in the middle of his long seven-year contract that will have him here for 10 total should he see the life of the contract. I see no reason why he would not. Uh, Dave Shyak has been here. I want to say, what season number would this be for Dave? Is it four or five? It's either. Let me pull up his bio. Because Lord knows that I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher this. Twenty twenty one. He was with us there. So two. I think fourth. It's fourth. Yep. 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 Fourth is correct. Uh, RJ Ango, of course, moving up essentially in his status, coming over from CC a couple of years ago. Years now assist. Yep. Yeah. Now assistant coach and Clark Custer, um, kind of bouncing around for his roles. Now moving in an elevated opportunity, and then of course, um, they have their uh, new support staff as well too. So uh, Nick, starting with the coaching staff, the four that we see behind the bench. Um, for the most part here, uh, what does Brett Larson, Dave Shyak, RJ, and Clark Custer bring to the table here? Um, experience one, um, number number two, great development, um, and, and three, the details, right? I, it's what you want. And then for Custer and Angle, a little bit more of that, you know, shall I say, younger aspect, you know, sort of that, you know, the ability to connect with younger players. Uh, we talked about how when Nick Oliver was part of the staff and how, uh, essentially, Brett Larson thought that that was important to have, you know, someone that was in that role that, you know, regardless of where they were in the coaching staff, someone that, you know, the, the teammates uh, could essentially look up to and sort of that role again. Cluster was on the 2021 um, uh, national championship run team, right? So he hasn't been that far removed. So um, still young at heart and, and probably still young in terms of the um, the driver's license number. Definitely not me. I'm well past that. But um, <laughs> at the end of it, same thing, right? I, I think they bring a different perspective, uh, number one, number two, but they all bring a collective like, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to play. Um, and they they preach the details. They preach the small things. Um, and they preach the execution, right? Um, and we saw again with this last weekend, not to keep beating the dead horse, you know, if they don't like what they see, they have no issue in terms of making changes. So um, it's uh, it's a great group. It's a group that challenges each other. It's a group that is also in that same mindset supportive of one another. It's a great group. It's a great culture. Um, it's a it's an organization you want to play for if you're a um, Division One hockey player. Um, and again, throughout his tenure here, they've been perennial NCAA contenders every single year. So it's been it's been a wonderful ride. And that's what they bring. Yeah, absolutely would agree. And I think when you have a coaching staff, again, we, we remember when Dave Shyak first came in, we, we kind of talked a little bit about where he was going to be at as far as how he's going to transition from Western Michigan. He'd been a longtime coach with UAA and the Seawolves and how that was going to translate and he fit in seamlessly. And I thought, you know, we've alluded to it quite a bit, but, you know, grease pan goals for him. I, I think that he's a guy that when you have somebody who's been a head coach in a conference like the old WCHA for a long time, granted didn't have the greatest teams in front of him. You know, that's kind of been a challenge for UAA for a while, but when he knows about trying to get the most out of players that maybe are, we talked about this um, even on St. Cloud side, they're not getting a lot of a plus a minus products. It's a lot of B plus guys that they're going to 
work through over the long term to transition them into those high-end talents that maybe takes them an extra year of maturing. Dave Shayak, that's where his expertise comes, is uh, getting players ready uh, in that sense. Of course, uh, the last uh, name that we should mention, too, along with the support staff, of course, Sartell native Lenny Hoffman as well, doing uh, director of ops and video coordination for both the men's and women's team. We mentioned him at various points throughout our other previews, so thought we should mention that again uh, as well, too. But this St. Cloud team last season, Nick, 25-13-3 overall, 12-9-3 in the conference, um, went to overtime a total of eight times, which is mm-hmm. again, kind of oh, wild wild to think about. 19-3-1 when they scored first. Uh much less so when their opponent was on the board for six and 10, but six wins when you're down, you know, after the first goal of the hockey game, isn't bad. Um, out shooting and out shot made a okay amount of difference out shooting their opponent. They seem to be more successful as did they at home. They only lost four in regulation two in overtime at home in the 20 games that they played. So uh, Nick starting there, this St. Cloud team from last season outscoring their opponents by what would that be? I want to say 38 um, goals last season and out shooting um, by about a hundred to 150. What did you take away from last year? A team that ends up winning their first NCHG frozen face off are um, finding success uh, in the first round played probably one of, if not the best team at the time in the NCAAs uh, to go to the Frozen Four, play a very good hockey game, or maybe a bounce and a chip away from getting back in that one. Um, How do you look on last season as we uh, already get rolling with uh, 2023-2024? Well, let's remember the first half of the year, they earned the number one ranking, right? Um, Anhorn fit in seamlessly, um, you know, was talk briefly, but possibly being in the Holby Baker conversation with just how well he played, right? Him and Grant Crookshank uh, together, um, they were point producing machines essentially. So that chemistry there, I asked him about that at media day and he said, yeah, there just seemed to be this natural, you know, sort of just chemistry where they knew where each other was and, uh, you know, they definitely fed off each other. Um, so uh, you, you talk about putting all the pieces together and then Anhorn goes down with an injury, right? And then this team struggled to essentially pick themselves up from that, right? And yep. mind you, you know, not to take away from the rest of the team, right? But what Anhorn brings, you know, that offensive instincts, you know, the footwork, uh, the power play. Again, he was the the cap, you know, the caliber on the uh, the the power play in one. A lot was affected by that. Not to mention when uh, it's a essentially a non-contact injury. You know, it's uh, I think it really did resonate through the guys, and it took them a while to figure it out. Um, so then what seven of eight was not looking good. We were having conversations that this team is in a bit of a, you know, it's in trouble, you know, could they even make it out of the NCHC first round? And then they started to find their legs second to last weekend of the regular season. Then they get to the tourney. They really seem like, okay, we've got this figured out now. Uh, Again, as you mentioned, they win the NCHC frozen faceoff over Colorado college, which was a nice, I don't want to call it a surprise, but it was a nice change of pace, you know, from the teams that we're used to seeing. Um, so, you know, and we allotted CC's rise on their end too, right? And how good of a job Chris Mayotte's done with them. Um, they again dispatch uh, Mankato in the regional semifinal. They run into a gopher squad in the regional final, which was going to be a tough test. Again, why three Minnesota teams were in the same region? Um, well, 
we'll just leave it at that. We'll never know the answer to that. But again, a bounce or two away. I mean, it was what two one. There was a, I think, a puck that was a Kupka stick or yeah, stick. It, yeah, it was on edge. It was right in front of where I was sitting, and it was spinning. And it's like he was on his forehand, but he had almost no angle to the net, and he just missed it by just about an inch it. or two. Yeah. So you think of you know what if that puck goes in? You know, I, I think St. Cloud was in that game until that third goal that uh, face-off win and then that rifle from the blue line that seemed to evade Jackson caster that was sort of the the dagger right there you could yeah. see the you know show would see the you know the uh, the air coming out of the lungs per yeah. se yeah it was it was St. Cloud's best period of hockey in that third period they deserve to at least claw back their way back and get to overtime I think in that yeah. regional game it is what it is um yeah. overall though I think besides the yeah, the little swoon kind of in the in the late portions of January into February and March. I think other than that, if you were a Huskies fan, you had to be relatively pleased with how the season played out. I think if they get to a Frozen Four, they have a chance at getting to their second national championship game in what would now be, I think it's 94 years of program history. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, uh, hard to be disappointed, all things considered. I think it left a bitter taste in your mouth as you moved into – the end of the regular season for the NCHC because this was a team that probably could have finished healthily in second behind Denver. And like you said, was in the running for a while to maybe try to take that uh, Penrose away from DU and then just suddenly kind of slid down the rock slide a little bit. But uh, Huskies uh, lose two, gain two in the transfer portal. Chase Brand, Brady Zemer, respectively, both headed to Augustana. Augustana did not score last weekend against Wisconsin. Both those guys had a shot uh, in the two games that they played. Uh, Chase Brand, of course, a graduate player, played in 24 games last season, had three goals, four assists, seven points. Brady Zemer, 22 games on the back end in his junior season, did not register a point. Uh, on the other side of things, Carl Falk, the defenseman who was the extra skater last night or two nights ago, uh, he'll be a junior this year. 31 games for Alaska Fairbanks had five points last year. And then Nick Ports coming over from North Dakota, the local kid, so to speak, also in his junior season. 27 games played, two goals, seven assists, nine points for the Fighting Hawks. I obviously love Chase Brandon, Brady Zemer, the physicality that they brought, but I kind of want to more focus on Carl Falk and uh, really who we got to see a lot more of this weekend. Nick Port's a guy that you mentioned it yourself. Brad Berry said at NCHC media day that St. Cloud was going to love this kid. You think Brett Larson would concur after the weekend? I think he would. Again, he brings him in as a full, you know, you call him a 200 foot player, right? A guy that's got length. He's got smarts and IQ. Um, still skates really well, but more of that defensive shutdown type winger, right? Um, I, I know he can play center, but, you know, from what we saw, it looks like he's starting at least end on the wing, at least to, to give it a shot for now. But, um, you know, was looking, interestingly enough, was looking for an elevated role. And, uh, you know, at least when we look at the line charts, right, with St. Cloud, and again, you know, the coaches would say, well, tell me which line is number one, right? Um, but what it might indicate you know, and I think this is what Huskies fans and you and I would hope is that, you know, if Brett Larson can roll four lines, I mean, you go back to the 2021 national title run and that fourth line and how good it was at being that shutdown line. If they truly have a shutdown line like they did, was that Will Hammer, Jared Cockrell? And was that Molinar that was on that uh, fourth I line? I think it was Molinar. He was at the end. I don't think he was at the start, though. I can't remember. I'd have to Solquist? go. I think it was Solquist. I'll have to, I'll have to, I can maybe rustle up actually a box score. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, um, if they have that, you know, and I think, you know, you're a more complete team than you were last year. Right. And um, as you mentioned, Brad Barry, you know, 
again, very complimentary of Nick Ports. Uh, again, Nick was looking for something a little bit different than he was getting in North Dakota um, and uh, happy to be with the Huskies here and again with St. Cloud. So, but if Brett Larson, again, as we mentioned, can, you know, have that top six, maybe even top nine that can be that scoring threat and you just can throw out that fourth line that can A, win faceoffs. Doesn't matter which zone, right? Can go in there and make, you know, just keep possession of the puck and just allow your top six to nine guys to rest, right? And But still be in the offensive zone, create a little bit and, uh, you know, be sort of that grinder type. Um, that's what you're looking for. And, and Nick Ports can definitely, with him being a, a more of a seasoned upperclassman, can provide that. And, and again, you know, when you're a Bradbury coached team, right, you know what you're doing. So, you know, so I'm complimenting North Dakota. Yes, I, I know that sounds awful. <laughs> but uh, no, but true for Nick Ports. I, he's a great addition to this Husky squad. And I do think, as you mentioned, uh, the Huskies are happy to have him on board and being in the role that he is. Yeah, certainly would agree. And I, when you have transfers that that come over in conference as well, too, you never really know how they're going to shake out depending on the lineup card. You don't know if they're going to suddenly be a more impact player or if they're going to be someone that, uh, you know, is maybe going to flounder in the position that you try to put them in. Like you mentioned, uh, Nick, a couple of years ago, a lot of names that it's weird to look at now. It's like, oh, he was a fourth line guy and now he's a high end guy. Jack Johnston would have been in that group. Like you mentioned, Joey Molinar would have been someone else. Micah Miller would probably have been in that position at some point too. Cause that was before mm-hmm. the year that he had his breakout season the following year. So um, yeah, but fourth lines, bottom six, like I said, I like the lineup card on the first night that the Huskies had a lot better because I think it's a little bit more offensively dynamic, but guys have to be responsible, you know, 200 feet in both directions. I think Brett Larson was looking to kind of rein that in a little bit. Guys who are going to be a little bit more responsible that are maybe used to, for lack of a better term, and I don't mean this offensively, playing their role, playing a bottom six role and being comfortable being that guy. Uh, So if you're St. Cloud, uh, again, last season, um, 10 and two when carrying a lead after the first, 21 and two uh, when carrying a lead after two periods of play. Um, When they were tied, they were basically uh, 12, six and three. and then they were when they were trailing after the first and second, that's when games started to get away from them. So the Huskies, uh, similar formula for success. You score first in hockey games. You are the aggressor. You're the offensive team. Things generally work well for you. 25.5% in the power play last season. BK left a bit to be desired near the tail end of the year, 77%. So I think uh, um, as we move into this season, I think those trends have continued. Um, right. Looking good on the offensive side, a little bit to clean up defensively. It's early. We're two games into the season. St. Thomas probably brought brought a more formidable challenge than maybe we would have expected, potentially. First couple games, you don't know how the new lineup card is going to really roll out. So there's a lot of things at play here, of course. Uh, Nick, roster-wise here, um, three goaltenders in this group. Don McBassie gets the start both night 6'6", 185 for him in his senior season. Isaac Posh, the freshman, um, he got the backup call and then James Gray still listed as a freshman. I'm assuming they redshirted him last season. So yes. um, he'll be with that group as well, too. Uh, on the defensive side, Dylan Anhorn and his uh, graduate year part, whatever. Um, <laughs> he's a 99. He's a January 99. Um, coming over from Union College a couple of years ago. Expect him to have a great season. Uh, Clark, uh, I suppose we should go by class here. So um, Carl Folk is also a senior. 
uh, Mason Reiners, Cooper Wiley, both sophomores, respectively, Josh Lidke, Jack Peart, your juniors, uh, and then three freshmen, Warren Clark and Tynan Ewart, who we saw both of this weekend. The only defenseman we have not seen dress yet this season, freshman Caleb Thiessen, who was a late addition add six foot five, two ten, uh, from Lemington, Ontario. So Nick, um, again, I, I, we talk so much about, uh, what you need to be successful in the NCH. You need a lot of things in case you, uh, you yeah. if you haven't figured that out. Uh, one of that is, I would say, having at least a good top four. Uh, yes. Huskies, I feel like, have that, yep. have the ability to do that. Um, there's one guy in this lineup, Nick, who gets highlighted quite a bit on the back end that would probably be the key cog to this. Um, I don't have to ask because I know what your answer is going to be, but I'll ask for the sake of our listeners who would like to go inside the mind of Nick Max and careful where you look when you're in there. Um, Might get lost. Who's the, who's the guy in the top four that the Huskies are going to really need to have to have uh, his best season yet in a Huskies uniform? Jack Peart. Yep. And uh, I asked Brett Larson about that. And because we did see a bit of uh, an evolution with Jack Peart and it happened when Anhorn went down yeah. um, and essentially the way that Brett explained it was, you know, he had to be the guy. And this was the guy that, you know, likes to be again, more of a two way defenseman, you know, likes to have that good first pass, but, you know, needed to essentially give them another look. Right. And that is, Hey, joining the rush to throwing, you know, some offense up to skating the puck through the middle of the ice and not just, leading the rush in terms of a first pass or creating it. Now you're the one that's, you know, being the first horse in line, right? You're just carrying the puck through the middle, getting the blue line, whether it's rimming the puck on the boards, yada, 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 creating, you know, maybe a pass to the, uh, to the either side of the boards to open up some other things. But he did that. And the, now it's with Anhorn back in the lineup. Can he still do that? And I think that is where you're going to get that depth right again. And we talk about the NCHC, you know, and I think you'd agree with this. The Huskies top four has both the defensive responsibility that you want, but also the ability to provide offense, right? We know what Anhorn is. He's an absolute beast, especially on the offensive side of the puck. Also very underrated defensively. Jack Peer can be that um, if he just can trust his instincts and just go with it and not be afraid to be Anhorn 2.0 essentially, right? And then you've got Josh Lidke there, really good shutdown defenseman, um, you know, as far as the uh, Jack Peart's um, other half there as well. So at the end of it, I, I think St. Cloud's got a great mix in terms of both offense and defense. And, uh, and, and I think you and I would agree with this. The real test, it's going to be how does that essentially the bottom pairing do to try to give these top four some rest, especially as you go down to the, you know, later parts of the regular season, then into the playoffs. Uh, that's sort of the question mark, but that's kind of where it is. Did I miss anything? No, I think you're spot on. The only thing I would add is rounding out the top four and probably your fifth defenseman, the two sophomores, Mason Reiners and Cooper Wiley, I think are going to be pivotal to that success as well too. You can deal with a sixth defenseman or an extra defenseman being young, a freshman, somebody learning the ropes, veteran presence like Carl Falk, who we saw dressed as the extra D-man can slot in just fine there. But you got to have four rolling uh, in the NCHC, if not five 
Even if you have if you have yep. five defensemen who are solid and reliable in your lineup, you're going to be just fine in this conference. And I think that that's the goal where the goal is. I would say they've got three to four right now that you could probably pencil in and say most nights that's what you're going to get three to four guys that are going to give you that effort. Now, can you get to four to five consistently, if not better? So um, I totally agree. Right, well said, Nick. On the forward side, uh, two graduate forwards that uh, I was going to say join us. They've been there a hot minute. Let's put it that way. Uh, yeah. Kyler Kupka and Zach Okabe. Good to see uh, those guys back. Uh, I don't know if you know this, Nick. I don't know if I mentioned this, but Zach Okabe, he's a guy who brings a buzzsaw-like mentality to the Huskies hockey oh, lineup. Yeah, um, I, I don't know. I, somebody said that. Somebody not intelligent, clearly, I'm sure. Um, on the on the senior side of things, Vietti, Miatnin, and Joey Molinar uh, round out your senior group. Juniors, Mason Salquist, Ryan Roseborough is already a junior, by the way. Um mm-hmm. And I think that's it. Sophomores, there's quite a bit of them. Uh, Grant Ashawn, Ethan Acoin, Adam Ingram, um, and Jack Rogers. And then freshman Jack Ryman, who I thought looked all right in his first game. Werner Miettinen looked very well in his first freshman game. Uh, Barrett Hall, good hockey player. We talked about yep. it. Uh, he's from Apple Valley, so at least there's one good hockey player around Husky Hockey Nation. It's true, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then Tyson Gross uh, rounding that out. He got his first action on the second night as well. I also forgot to mention Nick Ports in the senior group. I missed him as well too. How could we? We just rambled on about him, the St. Cloud native. So how could we have missed him? Um, but Nick, uh, it's kind of a similar question. Um, mm-hmm. For me, it's an entire class of players that I think is going to have to be pivotal for the success of the Huskies. Um, one, are you on the same page with me as far as classes? And furthermore, 100%. furthermore, is there somebody that uh, you look to in addition that's either in that class or not that you think is going to have to step out this year? It's the sophomore class. I think it we is, both know that, and it's yep. the Adam Ingram. Yep. I think it really does because uh, Ingram can play both center and wing. Uh, we saw flashes of his offensive capabilities last year. Granted, I think, you know, Again, if you're a coaching staff, you want to see that a little bit more consistently. Um, but that sophomore class, again, it's heavy. And you know what you're going to get out of your upperclassmen, right? You're going to always get you know, the details. You know what we're going to get from Kupka and Okabe, Nick Ports. Uh, but the sophomore class, right? Can they continue to essentially build on what they were last year at the end of the season? You know, Can you not regress? And then more so, can you essentially just take it up another level, right? And I think Adam Ingram is the catalyst for that. And as you mentioned, that whole sophomore class is going to be pivotal, right? Um, if they are able to do what we hope they will do, this is a very stacked and dangerous lineup for St. Cloud. It really, really is. Um, and I think there's a good balance. We talked about that before between skill, speed, defensive uh, reliability. Um, I think you know there's a d- couple of different ways that Brett Larson can put out a roster that looks a little bit different to try to accomplish different things. We'll put it that way, right? We know how St. Cloud wants to play and what their identity wants to be. Um, but again, that sophomore class, again, a lot of bodies um, that have to contribute. But again, if Adam Ingram can be that guy and be the one that sort of takes the reins to be the head of the sophomore class... Uh, to me, that spells good news for St. Cloud as, again, uh, you know, you start to see that Wavel babies, most of them gone. We talked about the losses of uh, Yami Kranela, right, uh, on the forward, and he's now playing over in Finland uh, for his pro career. And then you talk about in the back and a couple guys like Bushy, Spencer Meyer, right, guys that go on. Uh, but this is where, you know, your second-year guys have to step up and fill those roles, which 
there's some elevated roles there. Again, Barrett Hall was slotted in as a top six as a freshman. So there is opportunity there. Um, and it's not going to be up to them to try to fill those gaps because if they can, good things on the horizon for the Huskies. Huskies return six of their top eight scorers from last season. They lose their top two. Yami Kranila had 40. Grant Cruikshank had 38, like you mentioned. Uh, Zach Okabe, Vieti Mien in return, they both had 36 last year. And then Kyler Kupka, Dylan Anhorn, 25 apiece. Jack Peart had 24. Don't forget, he is offensively productive. We talked about his growth. Adam Ingram had 23 points before Micah Miller and Aiden Spellacy rounding out your top 10 from last season. Uh, Nick, there's one more guy I want to highlight before we move on to the schedule and things here. Uh, and that is a player who had seven points last season he's a junior this year uh we mentioned him a little bit he was in an elevated role uh both nights i'd like to see a little bit more under mason solquist i think this is here also his year that he can kind of develop and be a true top six guy true hunt uh, i would say um maybe a patrice bergeron s type guy with a little bit more nasty to his game i think is is probably where i where i would kind of put him in in that realm so um i'm curious to see what he does of course coming in technically 58 165 i would imagine he weighs much more than that now i don't know how old this stat card is so um (laughs) but i mean five foot eight i mean not the biggest guy so has to play a lot bigger than his size we hear that phrase often but i think he brings like you said that bulldog like mentality now to see if he can bring some offensive punch and good 200 foot presence um and you got to win some face-off draws you know in the middle as well too if you're going to be a top six centerman you got to be successful like a top six centerman should be so uh nick as far as schedule is concerned the huskies uh one and one in the season they lose five four like we mentioned in overtime on saturday they win one nothing on sunday yesterday at the time of recording this weekend friday saturday they travel uh for both games in mankato their first full road game swing uh weekend of the season before coming back to face alaska on the 20th and 21st to round out the month of october they actually have a week off at the tail end of october around halloween um Spooky or not, they'll get Miami to start their NCHC matchups in the month of November at home. They travel immediately to Kalamazoo uh, that following week. That's a big test early. Yep. And then they've got Duluth at home. And then over the holidays, Thanksgiving, non-conference game at home against Michigan. So November is going to be an interesting month as we slide through there. Omaha, who has had Mankato last weekend, they travel to Baxter Arena do the Huskies the 8th and 9th of December to round out the first half of the season. So St. Thomas, they just played. Mankato, Fairbanks, Miami, Western, Duluth, Michigan, Omaha to round out the first half of the season. What do you think? It's a tough test, right? And yeah. again, non-conference. So we've seen how even last year, right? Um, if you can get out of your non-conference with a good record, how impactful that can be especially in pairwise as we go through the year i think um last year as the huskies were struggling a bit that was the non-conference uh record that was essentially kind of buoying them a little bit uh you know before obviously getting the essentially the auto bid from winning the nchc frozen face off but um you know if you're brett larson this is exactly what you want right you want an early test you want to get the guys going he said that before he doesn't like shall we say you know giving them Softballs. I know he, you know, he doesn't say that directly, right? But he likes the good challenges. He wants this team up and running early. And Michigan will be another really good test to get another Big Ten school that um, has got a lot of high flying talent. So this will be a really good defensive, you know, sort of, you know, shall we say, measuring stick for them. And more so offensively, can they push back a bit, right? November is going to be tough because they have 
what they play a week, then they have a week off and they play a week, then they have a week off. So November is kind of goofy. Uh, but I think that's a change from years past, right? Where they had a bye week towards February slash March. And I think what he wants instead this year is to have this team rolling through the second half of the year. He doesn't want that break. He wants this team to continue to play. So if they can get through November and they get into the holiday break on a good note, they'll be all right. And again, you know, can we, you know, can you keep as many people healthy as you can? Obviously, that's big. But at the end of it, um, I like the schedule. Again, it's tough. Um, that's the way I would like to see the Huskies play it. But also, um, going to have to deal with some, you know, shall we say, some little kinks in the uh, uh, in the schedule there again. With the especially November, only playing two weekends um, out of four. So at the end of it, I like it. See how the Huskies do. Other way around. Uh, it's actually so they have before they hit November, their last weekend in October, they're off. They oh, okay. play all weekends of November, two weeks off in December, and their next bye week actually comes uh, in the middle of February. It'll actually be um, the tail end, kind of like the the 16th and 17th, somewhere 14th, 15th, whatever that weekend is, um, they'll play then. But yes, November is going to be a very pivotal month, I think, for this group. You've got uh, six of eight of your matchups are in conference, and then you finish December the first half against Omaha. Last non-conference schedule will be the 29th and 31st, so Friday, Sunday, in Bemidji, and then at home against Bemidji for your non-conference. Pretty prototypical. It's either at the beginning of the year or during the holidays they end up facing the Beavers. And then uh, January, um, they actually have a week off to start January, too, before they get back into school. Uh, they travel to Magnus Arena, Denver, um, the 12th and 13th. Uh, they play DU, and then they come home for four straight, North Dakota and Omaha, respectively. Only time the Huskies see Colorado College uh, is actually February 2nd and 3rd at Ed Robeson Arena in CC. Miami, they are on the road following weekend in Miami as well, the 9th and 10th, and then at home against Western Michigan and Denver again before rounding out the season on the road. Amsoil Arena March 8th and 9th, a bit later this season in Duluth to round out. So uh, it is Colorado College and North Dakota are the only two teams that the Huskies only see one time. Uh, next second half, pretty prototypical uh, NCHE schedule. I would say relatively favorable, though. You've got Denver and North Dakota. Denver is going to be a tough challenge. North Dakota, it's anyone's guess as to where they're going to be at at that point. Uh, Omaha should be a test. CC, test. But, I mean, if you play well, you have a chance to at least go 500, if not better, which is great from a Tigers perspective to say that conversation that they're not uh, an easy mark on paper. Miami, you hope Western Michigan and Denver will be a challenge and Duluth is always the coup de gras at the end of the uh, regular season. Nick, uh, do you like the second half? Yeah. Again, you know, NCHC, you know, you ask every coach and you ask the players, right? It's every game is meaningful. You know, every opponent has got good talent. It is playoff hockey essentially throughout the regular season. You know, it's tough. It's a, mm -hmm. it's a tough conference to win in. So uh, you don't want it any other way. And for St. Cloud, again, um, you know, get out of the holiday break, you know, get into a groove early. Again, you got two tough tests again on the road where the Huskies, you know, have not, shall we say, been, uh, shall we say, great on the record keeps in Magnus Arena. But then uh, with North Dakota, again, as you mentioned, who knows what they're going to be. I think they're going to be all right. But at the end of it, uh, tough schedule. And then you get right into the NCHC playoffs. And then Hopefully, and I think there is a good shot of this, the Huskies go on again to the NCAA tournament to hopefully make some noise. Um, but again, um, every game is crucial, especially when you get to conference play because we saw how tight it was last year. Um, throughout our other previews, Noah, um, six through two, 
essentially, and you could even maybe even argue seven. Um, there is a lot of room for, shall we say, uh, musical chairs, if you want to call it in the standings. So yep. uh, you got to, you know, get the points where you can. And, uh, you know, it's there's going to be no games off. So I'm excited for it again every year in the NCAAs, being able to cover this team and all the other teams is always a privilege because of just how good these teams really are. And uh, even more so getting get an opportunity to kind of be around the coaches, the players or whatnot. It's always something that I look forward to. So can't wait. Yeah, final two things here. For hilarity, um, to be technical, the Parawines is technically out. There are eight teams tied for first, one of those being Denver in the NCHC. Miami's tied for 10th. St. Cloud is at 14 right now, in case anyone was curious. We'll keep an eye on that yeah. to see how that develops throughout the season. <laughs> uh, as far as the polls, like we mentioned, St. Cloud coming in at 10 for USCHO. Uh, in order, if you want to talk pairwise standings here, Nick, um, and maybe top 20, because that's what it is. We'll go from 20 backwards. Uh, UConn, Northeastern, Penn State, Duluth, and Harvard um, are 20 through 16. Your next five are Merrimack, OSU. Has Harvard played a game yet, though? No, they have not. That's um, usually the case. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's, the, it's the mathematics. It's that Ivy League math, mathematics, in case you didn't know. Uh, Merrimack, Ohio State, Providence, Western, and Cornell round out your teams outside the top 10. St. Cloud is exactly at 10. Then Michigan Tech, Michigan State, North Dakota is at seven, according to the preseason poll. The, somebody must know yeah. something about North Dakota that we don't know. Well, and Harvard's then, controlling it, right? It's called quantitative easing. That's, whatever the heck it is it's it's advanced analytics i say those are words that i don't understand what i do know is michigan's <laughs> at six and the huskies play them this year quinnipiac the defending national champions at five and then bc denver minnesota and bu respectively yep. round out the poll bu had 26 first place votes minnesota with 18 denver with four and bc with two to round out your first place grouping but the final question here nick uh first of all before we want to know how we feel our St. Cloud State Huskies are going to find success in the NCHC. If you're a casual fan, you're looking for some photos, you go to huskiesillustrated.com um, for some great photos of your Huskies. But if you're looking for some news, Nick, is there a particular place that you'd like to visit if you're looking for some great men's and women's recaps if you go back to last weekend? It's centerisu.com. Great place. Very, very awesome uh, couple of recaps uh, from the website this past week. So centerisu.com, your home for all things St. Cloud Hockey. Of course, MNCAA, hopefully back in action here for the Soda Pod in all its glory here as we move forward. Soda Pod, great sponsor of the Huskies Warming House podcast. Your place to stay wild and up to date with all things in the state of hockey. Of course, when this show comes out, it'll be on Tuesday, the start of the NHL regular season. So the Minnesota Wild get rolling soon thereafter. But Nick, the St. Cloud State Huskies, final question. They have a gauntlet, as usual, in the NCHC. We have them picked to finish number two. How will they finish in that spot or higher? What do they have to do? They just have to be consistent, right? I, I think that's, that's. I mean, it sounds easy, right? But it's uh, it, it's not, right? You know, this <laughs> this conference is, you know, you mentioned a gauntlet. It is, it's a war zone. It really is. And, and that's a compliment to all eight NCHC teams. The last time yeah. we'll be able to say it's eight and then yeah. Arizona State comes in next year to make it nine, which is going to throw a whole bunch of fun into in, into the game, I yeah. think. Um, but uh, no, uh, for St. Cloud, again, you, you got to, you know, for the veterans, you know, you got to lead with the veterans. You got to have some rising stars from the sophomore group we talked about before. You got to get stellar goaltending again, Dominic Bassi. I think some people would argue, we didn't touch on this earlier, I'll just make a comment on it, that he didn't look very comfortable in game number one. Uh, I think he settled down in game number two. Again, it's here. You know, I, I didn't see a ton of the clips. Uh, at the end of it, I think St. Thomas just 
played all right. You know, no big deal. Yeah, um, a lot. Of, I would say to that point, a lot of net mouth scrums and second and third chance opportunities for both teams. It seemed like a lot of pucks being filtered towards the net and then chaos all around the crease. I would say if I had to rate Dominic Bassey's play on a scale of zero to 10, because we love picking on our goaltenders, right? I would give him a seven on the weekend. I don't think it was exceptional, but I think he made generally the saves that he had to or made the initial save. And the times that he didn't, it was a rebound. He was hung out to dry or it was just a puck that found through bodies. I don't think besides maybe a goal or two on the weekend, I don't think that there was anything where you went, wow, he probably should have had that back, you know? So all, right. all in all first weekend of the season, I think you have to be pleased with both his play and uh, the Huskies. They got through it. They're 500 and uh, you know, they pushed the first game that they lost to overtime. I would say as a St. Cloud state fan, wait and see, feel good about it. And if you get a chance to travel to Mankato next weekend, I would. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mankato again, kind of a, I won't say a wild card, but you know, sort of right where yeah. I, again, I, I'm not sure it's as big of a drop as even their own fans think it's going to be. Um, Cause again, as a head coach, uh, you know, coming over from Ohio state um, at, at the end of it, I don't think that uh, that strand is going to be changing the wheel that much. Right. I, I don't think it can. Yeah. Um, but, and Mankato was, is built from the goaltending out essentially. Yeah. Um, well, it's going to be so hard. I mean, with Dryden McKay and his 12th season, I mean, they're going to be, Oh wait, sorry. He's gone. Oh, never mind. He's, he's been gone for a while anyway. Um, <laughs> but you no know, travel down to Mankato again, show the support for the Huskies. It's a easy drive again, right down 169, uh, and again, a nice barn, uh, to enjoy a college hockey game and the surrounding area as well down in Mankato. So, uh, support the uh, Cardinal in black, as you want to say. And, uh, again, the, non-conference uh, type games, especially with Mankato having good matchups in the past. I don't expect anything less this upcoming weekend. So uh, if you're Huskies fans, again, get out and support the Huskies, uh, whether they're at home or on the road, because again, this team is going to be already a top 10 team to watch. And uh, we do think that they're only going to get better from here. Yeah, it should be good. They play the, the Wisconsin Badger reject. I mean, sorry, the Mankato uh, Mavericks. <laughs> Was that too on the nose? I'm sorry. It'll be good. It'll be a good. It'll be a good test. Normally, uh, we've seen this series in certain years be home and home. This one, of course, they'll be on the road uh, again to take on Mankato. So it should be good. I'm excited. I'm excited for this group. There's a lot of promise in the forward group. Defensively, they're only going to get better. And Dominic Bassey, I think, will be just fine. So uh, it's going to be a great season. We'll be here on the Huskies Warmer House podcast, of course, to cover it all. Uh, next week, we'll essentially be in full swing. We'll basically be doing uh, WCHA recap. Take a look at the women's team. We'll take a brief overview of Kalachaka and the men's side because it's a little easier to get the scope of things outside the NCHC. Um, then we'll talk about the NCHC, the men's program, and maybe as we get deeper into the season, we'll take a look at the pairwise to round out the show. So uh, just giving you kind of an idea as things go through. For Nick Maxson, I'm Noah Grant, and we will see you soon in the den. One-timer coming, they score! Seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title.